0: Okay, welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. This is our June twenty second 2007 edition of the show. Okay, before we get uh, started, got a couple quick reminders for you. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to give me some feedback on the show, which I always appreciate, you can uh, catch me at RGLarson at KUCI.org. You can also hit me up on MySpace. That's MySpace.com slash hole. What if there was a private corporate army in America whose owners were Christian extremists with a far-right political agenda, and they had some of the same firepower as the U.S. Army, but almost none of the accountability? What if they were unleashed in Iraq, Afghanistan, and even America? There is such an army, and they have been unleashed by the Bush administration with billions of our tax dollars. This serious threat to our democratic republic has been frighteningly documented in the new book, Blackwater, The Rise of the World's Most Powerful Mercenary Army. My special guest today is the author of that book, Jeremy Scahill, Mr. Scahill is a Polk Award-winning investigative journalist and frequent contributor to The Nation magazine. You may also know him from his excellent work with the national radio and television show, Democracy Now! Uh, Jeremy, we got you on the board. Yep, I'm here. All right. uh, Welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, taking the time. I know you've got a really uh, busy schedule just recently uh, coming back from Europe on your book tour, and uh, so we're just really pleased to have you today. A fantastic book.
1: Well, thank you for saying that. And then after this interview, I have to go back into the rabbit hole.
0: (laughs) Which rabbit hole is that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> the, 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 the rabbit hole of trying to stay alive.
0: Okay, well, yeah, you know, I really think you've done a service to our country by by exposing this information, and uh, we'll get into this as, as much as we can. Uh, yeah, before we get into specifically Blackwater, I, I would just, you know, you don't hear much talk in the mainstream media about the extent to which private contractors are being used in the Iraq War, and, you know, not just in supply, construction, and transportation, but in actually in security and combat. Can you give us some basic numbers on that, how that shifted from previous wars?
1: Right. I mean, well, first of all, I think it should be said that there's been an incredibly deafening bipartisan silence on the issue of the radical privatization of war that we're living in the midst of right now. Uh, I mean, during the 1991 Gulf War, for instance, the so-called Gulf War, you had a ratio of about uh, 60 active-duty soldiers to every one contractor. And during the the Gulf War, uh, the term contractor generally meant uh, people who were doing uh, the laundry for the troops, uh, cooking the food, serving the food, driving the trucks. And Dick Cheney was the defense secretary uh, at the time. And at the end of his tenure in the George H.W. Bush White House, he commissioned a study from a division of Halliburton, the company that he would go on to head, Uh, and the point of that study uh, was to look at how to radically privatize as much of the military bureaucracy as possible. So you fast forward to the 2003 invasion and occupation of Iraq, and that ratio had gone from 60 to 1 uh, to a current state of almost 1 to 1. So right now on the ground in Iraq, most Americans believe that there are about 145,000 U.S. troops and that's true. There are 145,000 to 170,000 U.S. troops. But so what's almost never mentioned is the fact that there are about 130,000 private personnel deployed alongside the active-duty military. They effectively double the size of the occupation force. And far from simply driving trucks and doing laundry and and uh, providing food to the U.S. troops, now what the Bush administration has done is to outsource a significant portion of the combat in Iraq. And so when the, when the Bush administration failed to build a coalition of willing nations to invade and occupy Iraq, they replaced it with a uh, coalition of billing corporations. And so right now, on the ground in Iraq at this moment, you have over 170 mercenary companies uh, that are providing so-called security services, armed combatants, to not only the U.S. government, the British government, but also to other private corporations. And the most powerful among them, not the biggest, not the most profitable, but the ones with the closest proximity to the throne in the United States are the mercenaries provided by Blackwater USA. This is a company that didn't exist a decade ago, and it's risen out of the rubble of of 9-11 to become one of the most powerful private actors in the so-called War on Terror. Uh, They're the ones that are guarding the senior U.S. officials in Iraq who are in the country right now implementing these disastrous policies. And so uh, Blackwater is a politically connected private army that's being funded... Uh, to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars by U.S. taxpayers.
0: And and so we have this result, intended or not, I I think there's a lot of good evidence that it's intended, uh, uh, this result of corporate profiteering and non-accountability.
1: Right, absolutely. I mean, the fact of the matter is that we've had 64 courts-martial of U.S. soldiers on murder-related charges in Iraq alone and the fact is that over 700,000 Iraqis have died as a direct result of the occupation. Uh, and so I think it's a stunningly low number, but there have been 64 courts martial There hasn't been a single court-martial, a single prosecution of an armed uh, mercenary in Iraq for any crimes whatsoever. In fact, we've had hundreds of thousands of private personnel that have gone in and out of Iraq since March of 2003, and only two of them have been brought up on any kind of charges. Neither of them were armed mercenaries like those that work for Blackwater. One was a KBR employee who was alleged to have stabbed a co worker in a kitchen, and the other was a guy who pled guilty to possession of child pornography images on his computer at Abu Ghraib prison. So either we have tens of thousands of uh, Boy Scouts running around as mercenaries in Iraq or something is fundamentally wrong with the system. I mean, this, this mercenary uh, force in Iraq is a shadow army that has provided the Bush administration with political cover uh, to uh, engage in an undeclared surge from day one of the occupation.
0: And so let's talk about, you, you mentioned that, that all of these things going on that they're, they're not being held account, uh, to account for. Uh, the, there was the order by Paul Bremer. Can you talk about that that sort of uh, put these guys literally above the law?
1: Right. I mean, these guys have not been prosecuted under the court-martial system of the military. They haven't been prosecuted under U.S. uh, civilian law in U.S. courts. And uh, Paul Bremer, who was uh, Blackwater's top client, uh, Blackwater got a $27 million no-bid contract uh, to provide security for Paul Bremer when he was destroying the Iraqi economy and implementing all these disastrous policies as a thank-you gift, a parting thank-you gift to Blackwater and other contractors Uh, when he left Iraq in June of 2004, he issued a decree known as Order 17, which granted sweeping immunity from prosecution to all contractors in Iraq under Iraqi law. And at the time he issued this decree, uh, the Bush administration was saying they were handing over sovereignty to an Iraqi government. Now, that's a strange definition of sovereignty, uh, to cut all of the teeth out of the Iraqi legal system. And so we've had a situation where contractors have murdered people Uh, They've engaged in torture, they've committed widespread human rights abuses, and they can't be prosecuted under Iraqi law because of this decree uh, issued by Bush's man in Baghdad as a thank-you gift uh, to the contractors who kept him alive for his year of destroying the Iraqi economy.
0: So if you turn this around, it would be like if we had this private army occupying our country and they could do whatever they wanted and there was no law that could stop them from doing anything up to and including murder.
1: I mean, and, and, and the fact is, I mean, if you're, let, let, let's say you're, uh, you're a pro-war uh, American living in middle America, and you think everything is great about U.S. foreign policy, imagine for a minute if, uh, if China had forces deployed inside of the United States, and they were working for either the Chinese government or a private company, and they killed uh, a U.S. civilian in cold blood, and, and, and they, there was no prosecution that could be offered against the Chinese operatives who had killed a U.S. civilian in cold blood. There would be absolute uproar in this country. I mean, look at how outraged people are uh, when diplomats commit crimes, when they do, when they are they're drunk driving and they kill someone, and oh, they can't be prosecuted because they're diplomats. I mean, multiply that by 130,000 unaccountable forces, and you can understand the frustration, the anger, the outrage of Iraqis who feel uh, as though not only are they having to deal with an occupation force of 145 to 170,000 official soldiers occupying their country, but then a corporate shadow army that's accountable, seemingly, to no legitimate authority whatsoever. Uh, I mean, this should not be a left or right issue or a liberal or conservative issue. I mean, this should be an issue. Anyone who's concerned with justice or human rights should be outraged uh, that this war, uh, first of all, continues, but continues only through the use of this private army. Without the private corporations working as mercenaries in Iraq, you don't have an occupation of Iraq.
0: Right, and, and uh, yeah, you have the president saying things like uh, they hate our freedom. Well, <laughs> I think they hate our our, our occupation. Uh, and, and, I mean, it's it's not really funny. But uh, let's um, let's talk a little bit more about the Blackwater itself, the organization. I mean, the the fact of of uh, that. Uh, much of what our army does is being turned over to this private mercenary army, Blackwater. It's disturbing enough, uh, when you find out about the founder of this company, it really raises some red flags. Can you can you tell us a, a little about uh, the, uh, Blackwater founder Eric Prince? Yes.
1: This, this company embodies everything that President Eisenhower warned against in his farewell address in 1961, where he talked about the rise of unchecked power within the military-industrial complex. Uh, Blackwater was started in 1996 by a man named Eric Prince. Eric Prince is believed to be one of the wealthiest people ever to serve in the elite U.S. Navy SEALs. He comes from a high-powered, radical right-wing Christian family in the state of Michigan. His father was a manufacturing emperor. He built up a, a, a company called the Prince Manufacturing Corps, and they, uh, the invention that they're best known for is the now ubiquitous lighted sun visor. If you drive around in a car, you pull down your, your sun visor and it lights up, you have a little bit of Blackwater's history in your vehicle. So his father runs a successful business, and more than watching his dad uh, uh, be a, uh, an effective capitalist, Eric Prince benefited from seeing his father use his company as a cash-generating engine to fuel and fund the rise of the radical religious right and the Republican Revolution of 1994. So it was the Prince family that gave the seed money to Gary Bauer to start the Family Research Council uh, and, and gave significant funding and support to James Dobson, and his focus on the Family Prayer Warrior Network. Those are two of the, of the top five radical religious right organizations in this country. And, of course, Gary Bauer is not, not just a radical right-wing Christian activist uh, who has enormous influence over the White House. He was one of the original signers of the Project for a New American Century. And so this family was a, was a significant bankroller of several of the organizations that now have an inordinate amount of influence over U.S. domestic and foreign policy. Eric Prince's sister, Betsy, married Dick DeVos, the heir to the Amway Corporation fortune, the owners of the Orlando Magic basketball team, the single greatest bankrollers of the Republican Revolution of 94. And these two families merged together in the 1990s, and together they, they formed a formidable behind-the-scenes power player in radical right-wing politics in this country. Um, Uh, Eric Prince himself was an early intern at George H.W. Bush's White House, but he complained it wasn't conservative enough for him. He was in the first team of interns that Gary Bauer took on. He goes and he joins the SEALs, and then in the mid-'90s his father dies suddenly, so Eric Prince leaves the SEALs, goes back to Michigan, helps the family sort through what they're going to do. They end up selling the family business for $1.3 billion in cash. He takes his share of the money, goes out to North Carolina, and begins building up his Blackwater Empire at a time when his allies from the radical religious right had declared the Clinton administration a secular regime, and they were talking about the need for a revolt in America, and that's right at the time when Prince began building up what would become a mercenary army.
0: And so so it seems like Eric Prince is really like this this nexus point between uh r- radical right wing christians and neocons and there's this uh, and these people who really believe in theocracy and, and there's also this this thing that he seems to to really be in the middle of of it's this crossover between what used to be groups who were at odds in the sense of Protestant fundamentalist Christians and right-wing Catholics. It, it, I mean, there's this history of these Protestant fundamentalist Christians having a real uh, hatred towards Catholics, and they seem to be really kind of unified in this new sort of theocratic neocon agenda.
1: Right. I mean, you're raising a point here that, that I almost never am asked about, and it's a very important point. The Eric Prince comes from a, a radical uh, right wing evangelical Protestant tradition, but he himself is actually a convert to Catholicism. And one of his closest political and religious allies is none other than Chuck Colson, who was Nixon's hatchet man during Watergate. He authored Nixon's enemies list. Chuck Colson has reinvented himself. Right before he went to prison for Watergate, he reinvented himself as one of the leading evangelical figures in this country, and he was a key participant in creating a document called Evangelicals and Catholics Together, uh, the ECT, and, and they brought together right-wing radical Protestant uh, Christians and right-wing radical Catholics and secular Jewish neoconservatives, and together they formed this sort of common vision uh, for battling against what they consider to be secular leftism in the United States. And so Eric Prince, for instance, has given significant funding uh, to Chuck Colson to run privatized Christian faith-based prisons in the United States. And Chuck Colson is a top religious advisor to President Bush. And so what Prince has done is he not only has continued his family's agenda of supporting uh, what we traditionally refer to as the radical Christian right, but also now, He's funding radical right-wing Catholic organizations as well, and 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 I think that we have to look at the fact that Eric Prince serves on the board of uh, Christian Freedom International which is an evangelical missionary organization uh, that has supported the war on terror, criticizing it only for not doing enough to defend Christians in Muslim countries. That organization believes the Bible is the only, and I say only, infallible word of God. These are the forces that we now have deployed on the U.S. taxpayer payroll in Muslim countries around the world, and they're itching to get into Darfur, Sudan right now. So this is a very frightening development in the history of the U.S. war machine
0: yeah it, it, it's uh, I totally agree with that. And, and yeah, you the, these elements that that are radical right in different ways and used to be kind of opposed to each other are now sort of all connected in, in opposed to secularism, opposed or, or things that are not really even secular, but the, you know as in the sense that you said they declared the Clinton presidency uh, secular, what was the term they used?
1: Well, they, I mean, it's secular, it's leftist. I mean, but but Clinton was hardly a leftist. He was totally on board with this radical privatization agenda, and certainly with the right-wing Christian agenda. But, I mean, these guys felt that Clinton was like the uh, embodiment of communism, basically, uh, which gives you a sense of how radical right their politics are.
0: Yeah, so uh, the uh, this is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. I'm Robert Larson. We're speaking today with uh, Jeremy Scahill, and we're talking about his book, Blackwater, The Rise of the World's Most Powerful Mercenary Army. And uh, uh, another, Eric Prince, we were talking about the founder there of Blackwater. Another uh, character that comes up in your book, uh, Jeremy, who I thought was uh, really uh, fascinating and, and uh, kind of frightening as well was uh, Joseph Schmidt. It, uh, you have a, t- a chapter titled "Joseph Smith's Christian Soldier," and he was the Pentagon's Inspector General when all these private contractors were having a sort of a corporations gone wild moment. Uh, it, the amount of of corruption and cronyism that appears to have uh, occurred under his watch is is just staggering.
1: But I mean, this is a guy who comes from a, a scandal-plagued family. His father was a congressman named John Schmidt who basically said that uh, that the United States should disown Richard Nixon after he went to uh, to so-called Red China. His father had been a, a, a member of a segregationist party, ran for president. Joseph Schmidt's sister is Mary Kay Letourneau, uh, who was one of the original uh, uh, teacher scandals, teachers having sex with their students. She had an affair with her student, Billy Falau, and they're now married. But Joseph Schmidt himself, Uh, has been a a radical right-wing Christian activist. He would write in the 1990s uh, letters to the editor of the Washington Times newspaper referring to himself as a former fetus and railing against abortion. I mean, he actually (laughs) referred to himself as a former fetus. He could understand the plight of unborn children. Oh,
0: my God. (laughs) Um, And this this
1: guy ends up being the Pentagon inspector general at the moment when the war contractor Bonanza exploded under the Bush administration in the so-called War on Terror, and he was under fire from both Democrats and Republicans for all sorts of scandals. Uh, but, but perhaps his biggest critic in the Congress was a right-wing senator from Iowa named Chuck Grassley who was investigating him. And so when Schmidt is supposed to be overseeing all of these war contractors, he ends up resigning his post in 2005 and taking a job with one of the most powerful companies he was supposed to be watching, Blackwater USA. He takes a job as the general counsel and chief operating officer of the Prince Group, which is the parent company of Blackwater, and he now has become one of the most important figures. He himself openly boasts of his current membership in the military order of Malta, which is a Christian militia dating back to the Crusades. He also is a right-wing radical uh, Catholic, uh, and so he and Prince certainly have that in common. I mean, though, these are the kinds of people that are running this company that now is tasked with all of these ultra-sensitive so called security operations in Iraq, uh, which of course is a Muslim country as well as Afghanistan. Uh Blackwater S forces deployed in nine countries around the world. So Joseph Schmidt is a guy who, who I think should be under serious investigation for both his role as the inspector general of the Pentagon Uh, where he would walk around with Donald Rumsfeld's 12 principles in his breast pocket and and pontificate about the great wrestling career of Donald Rumsfeld, Uh, but also his role at Blackwater USA and the uh, very beneficial contracts that company has been receiving.
0: So uh, a lot of people are going to hear what we're saying, Jeremy, and saying, yeah, this sounds like really bad. Uh, It would be... Good thing we don't have a uh, private army like that running around here on our own soil. Uh, well, maybe that, that's not exactly true. Uh, can you talk about well, what happened in the aftermath of Katrina?
1: You know, I, I was, uh, I'm glad you bring this up, because I, I was down in, uh, in New Orleans right after the hurricane hit, and, uh, and I was traveling around looking at the utter devastation and watching people uh, starving, uh, dying from lack of, uh, of water. Uh, And and people were being referred to as looters when they were simply breaking into grocery stores to get the food that... Uh, no uh, humanitarian relief operation would provide them. And I'm standing in the French Quarter one uh, late morning talking to three New York City police officers, and a car pulls up next to us, no license plates on it, a compact car. These three massive guys get out of it. They come up to us, and they say to the police officers, where are the rest of the Blackwater guys? And, and, and my head sort of went into a spin, and I didn't even hear the directions that the police officers gave to them. And, and, and these guys get back into their vehicles. They have M4 assault rifles, pistols strapped to their legs, extra ammunition on them, dressed in flak jackets, full khaki uniforms, they get back into their vehicles, and they speed away. And as I'm telling you this, remember, we're talking about New Orleans, USA. Uh, And and, and so I I said to the police officers, Blackwater, you mean like the guys over in Iraq? And they said, oh, yeah, they're all over the place down here. And I said, where can I find them? And they said, you can go either way on this street. So I walked deeper down to Bourbon Street, and I find a bunch of Blackwater guys congregating on a corner, and I talked to them for about an hour. And I said, what are you guys doing down here? And they said, we're here to help. And I said, who sent you down here? And they said, our boss. And so as we're talking, one of them uh, says to me that they've been authorized to use lethal force. And I start asking them, under whose authority are you down here? Uh, and, and one of them flashes a gold badge at me and says, I was deputized by the governor of the state of Louisiana. Uh, two of them had just been in Iraq uh, two weeks earlier. One of them had been a bodyguard to John Negroponte, who was the U.S. ambassador in Iraq after Paul Bremer left. Um, and as we're, we're talking, I'm pressing them, I'm pressing them on this issue of, you know, what are you guys doing here? Like, who, who sent you here? And they said, "Oh, it's way above our pay grade." Well, the pay that they were receiving, they told me they were making $350 a day. So myself and other reporters, we start pressing the federal government. They denied that they'd hired any private security uh, because you realize what the issue would be. Bush had sent the National Guard of Louisiana over to Iraq and Afghanistan, and so uh, to hire a politically connected mercenary army would have been a scandal. Well, it turns out, we find out on September 8th, uh, that the Department of Homeland Security had hired Blackwater USA. And so their guys on the ground. Said, told me they were making $350 a day. I got their contracts with the federal government. Turns out they were billing U.S. taxpayers $950 per man per day. At one point, Blackwater had 600 operatives stretching from Texas through Mississippi and the Gulf. They were pulling in about a quarter of a million dollars a day for their Hurricane Katrina operations. So profitable were those operations that the company started a whole new division of Blackwater for domestic operations, and they began their expansion inside of the United States. A couple months ago, they opened a new mercenary camp in Illinois, uh, right near the uh, Iowa-Wisconsin border. They call it Blackwater North. And now they're trying to open a new facility on 800 acres of land just outside of San Diego, in your neck of the woods in California, uh, three miles from the U.S.-Mexico border, and they want to call that Blackwater West. And and, and so what Blackwater is doing right now is applying for operating licenses in all of the coastal states of the United States, and they're building a sort of diamond on the United States where they want to take advantage of being able to train not only border patrol agents, and of course that's a huge issue right now, uh, but also the military and state, federal, and local law enforcement. So this is a company that clearly has its sights set on the domestic feeding trough in the United States and definitely wants increased deployments inside the borders of this country.
0: Frightening, frightening. Uh, Jeremy, I know you said you can only stay with us till 4.30, so uh, we're just about there. So uh, I want to just say first to everybody listening, uh, check out the book, Blackwater, The Rise of the World's Most Powerful Mercenary Army. Uh, Get yourself informed about what's going on. You need to know about this as a citizen of this country. And Jeremy, uh, also, could you uh, suggest what people could do? Should they be uh, contacting their elected representatives? I, I think you actually talk before Congress on this, right? Yeah, I
1: testified in front of the Defense uh, Appropriations Committee of of the House of Representatives uh, several weeks ago, and I got into a very combative session with Representative Jack Kingston, a Republican of Georgia, who took issue with my uh, uh, reporting on Eric Prince's radical Right-wing Christian uh, politics, uh, but you know, you generally, and never in any story I've ever done have I said that it's worthwhile to contact Congress. But on this issue, I think it's important to call a congressional representatives and demand that there be sustained, open, public hearings on the issue of the radical privatization of war. Uh, we need to take this on as a serious issue, and not neither the Democrats nor the Republicans have been doing it up until this point. So it definitely is worth your while. Uh, to write that letter or pick up your phone and call your representative's office and demand uh, that we bring uh, this, this dark industry out into the light, and, uh, and, and that we, we, when we demand that the U.S. withdraw troops from Iraq, we have to say that they include with them all of their mercenaries and war profiteers.
0: Okay, and before you uh, contact your representatives, uh, check out the book so you'll be informed about it. That's Blackwater, The Rise of the World's Most Powerful Mercenary Army. Uh, Jeremy Scahill, the author. Jeremy, thanks so much for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. It was my honor. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Jeremy. Bye now. Bye. Okay, yes, Jeremy Scahill. Yes, that book is Blackwater, The Rise of the World's Most Powerful Mercenary Army.